Chapter 9 The Dr. Spencer My father once told me that Dr. Spencer had been looking after the people of our district for nearly 45 years. He was over 70 now and could have retired a long time ago, but he didn't want to retire and his patients didn't want him to either. He was a tiny man with tiny hands and feet and a tiny round face. The face was as brown and wrinkled as a shriveled person. He was some sort of an elf. I used to think to myself each time I saw him a very ancient sort of an elf with wispy white hair and steel rimmed spectacles. A quick clever little elf with a swift eye and a flashing smile and a vast way of talking. Nobody feared him. Many people loved him and he was especially gentle with children. Which ankle he said asked. The left one my father said. Dr. Spencer knelt on the floor and took from his bag a pair of large scissors. Then, to my astonishment, he proceeded to slit the cloth of my father's left trouser leg right up to the knee. He parted the cloth and looked at the ankle, and but he didn't touch it. I looked at that too. The foot seemed to be bent around sideways, and there was a huge swelling below the ankle bone. That's a nasty one, Dr. Spencer said. We'll better get you into hospital right away. May I use your phone? He called the hospital and asked for an ambulance. Then he spoke to someone else about taking x-rays and doing an operation. How's the pain? Dr. Spencer asked. Would you like to give me something? No, my father said. I'll wait here till I get there. As you wish, William. But how on the herd did you do it? Did you fall down the steps of that crazy caravan? Not exactly, my father said. No, the doctor waited for him to go on. So did I. As a matter of fact, he said slowly, I was mooching around up in Hazel's wood. He paused again and looked at the doctor who was still kneeling beside him. Ah, the doctor said, I see. What's like up there these days? Plenty of peasants? Stacks of them, my father said. It's a great game, Dr. Spencer said, sighing a little. I only wish I was young enough to have another go at it. He looked up and saw something staring at me. You didn't know I used to do a bit of poaching myself. Did you, Danny? No, I said, absolutely flabbergasted. Many a night, Dr. Spencer went on, after evening surgery was over, I used to slip out of the back door and go striding over the fields to one of my secret places. Sometimes it was peasants and sometimes it was a trout. Plenty of big brown trout in the stream those days. He was still kneeling on the floor beside my father. Try not to move on, he said to him. Like it still. My father closed his tired eyes, then opened them again. Which method do you use for peasants? He asked. Gin and raisins, Dr. Spencer said. I used to soak the raisins in a gin for a week, then scatter them in the wood. It doesn't work, my father said. I know it doesn't, the doctor said, but it was enormous fun. One single peasant, my father said, has got to go at least 16 gins soaked before he gets steadily enough for you to catch him. My own dad proved that was with the roasters. I believe you, the doctor said. That's why I never caught any, but I was hot stuff with trout. Do you know how to catch a trout, Danny, without using a rod and line? No, I said. How? You tickle them. You tickle them? Yes, the doctor said. Trout, you see, like to lie close in the river bank. So you go creeping along the bank until you see a big one and you came up behind him. Now you lie down on your tummy and then you slide 
in underneath him and you begin to strode his belly up and down with the tip of one finger. Will he really let you do that? I asked. He loves it, the doctor said. He loves to it so much that he sorts of dozes off. And as soon as he dozes off, you quickly grab a hold of him and flip him out of the water on the bank. That works, my father said. But only a great artist can do that. I take my hat off to you, sir. Thank you, William, Dr. Spencer said gravely. Got up to his knees and crossed over to the door of the workshop and looked out to see if the ambulance was coming. By the way, he said over his shoulder, what happened up there in the woods? Did he step in a rabbit hole? It was slightly bigger hole than that, my father said. What do you mean? My father began to describe how he had fallen into the enormous pit. Dr. Spencer spun around and stayed down my father. I don't believe it, he cried. It's absolutely true, asked Danny. Uh, it was deep, I said, horribly deep. But great heavens alive, the little doctor shouted, jumping up and down with fury. He can't do that. Victor Hazel can't go digging tiger traps in his wood for human beings. I've never heard such a disgusting, monstrous thing in my life. It's rotten, my father said. It's worse than that, William. It's diabolical. Do you know what it means? It means that decent folks like you and me can't even go out and have a little fun at night without risking a broken leg or arm. We might even break our necks, my father nodded. I never did like that, Mr. Hazel, Dr. Spencer said. I saw him do a footy thing once. What? My father asked. I had an appointment with me at a surgery. He needed an injection for some sort. I've forgotten what. Anyway, just by chance, I was looking out of the window as he drove up to my door in his whacking great Rolls Royce. I saw him get out and also saw my old dog Bertie dozing on the woodstep. And do you know what the loathsome Victor Hazel did? Step instead of stepping over old Bertie, he actually kicked him out of the way with his riding boot. He didn't, my father says. Oh yes he did. What did you do? I left him standing in the waiting room until I pick up at the oldest, bluntest needle I could find. Then I rubbed the point on with a nail file to make it blunter still. By the time I've got through with it, it was blunter than a ballpoint pen. Then I called him in and told to his lower pan and bent over. When I rammed that needle into his fleshy backside, he screamed like a stuck pig. Hooray, my father said. He never backed since, Dr. Spencer said, for which I'm truly thankful. Oh, here's the ambulance. The ambulance drew up near the workshop door and two men in uniform got out. Bring me a leg splint, the doctor said. One of them fed a sort of thin wooden plank from the ambulance. Dr. Spencer knelt down once more beside my father and eased the plank when he gently underneath my father's left leg. Then he strapped the leg firmly to the plank. The ambulance men brought in a stretcher and placed it on the ground. My father got into by himself. I was still sitting on my chair. Dr. Spencer came over to me and put a hand on my shoulder. I think you had better come on home with me, young man, he said. You can stay with us until your father's back from hospital. Won't he be home today? I asked. Yes, my father said. I'll be back in this evening. i rather you stayed in for the night, Dr. Spencer said. I shall come home in the evening, my father said. Thank for offering to take Danny, but it won't be necessary. He'll be all right until I get back. I'll reckon he sleeps most of the day anyway, won't you, my love? I think so, I said. Just close up the filling station and go to bed, right? Yes, but come back soon, won't you, Dad? 
They carried him back into the ambulance and the stretcher and closed the door. I stood outside the workshop with Dr. Spencer and watched the big white thing dry out of filling station. Do you need any help? Dr. Spencer asked. I'm fine, thank you. Go to bed then. Get a good sleep. Yes, I will. Call me if you need anything. Yes. The marvelous little doctor got into his car and drove away down the road in the same direction as the ambulance. So guys, this was all about chapter 9. I hope you like it. Um, Dr. Spencer is a doctor who has treated Mr. Uh, William, the father of Danny, and we're going to see next what happens in the next chapter. So till then, take care and bye-bye.